everybody! Normally coming to you from the heart of Cajun country, where Mother Nature is throwing temperatures at us like she's rolling dice in the casino, this is the Down South IT Podcast, and my name is Clark. But today, I'm actually going to be recording from an ultra-secret, top-secret location. So this podcast may sound just a little bit out of the ordinary, but we'll make do just like we always do. So... If you haven't been to the website lately, please hit it up, downsouthitpodcast.com, and check out some of the newest additions that I've made up there. There's a search function on there now to help you sift through all of the material that's there, since there's a whole lot of material and a whole lot of information there for you to look at. Besides that, there's now a download section for different apps and programs and stuff that I use and that I talk about on the podcast. So all of them are all right there in one place for you. Different things like browsers, backup software, malware, software, things like that. It's all stuff that I use and all stuff that I talk about on the pod also. All the stuff up there is known, good, and verified, so you're not getting any junk. You don't have to worry about, you know, if it's a a bad thing or malware or anything like that. It's all been verified. It's all good. One other thing that I do have up there is also the newest edition of the Defender newsletter that was just posted a few days ago. That one just happens to be on a security fix for Intel CPUs, some of the older ones that they just, they can't fix them with just software because all of the problems are on a hardware level. So it's a very interesting read. Go ahead and check it out. It's up there already. Uh, All you got to do to find it is go up to the home page on the home link at the very top, hover over that with your mouse and the downloads page and the newsletter page link will show up so that's how you get to both of those but if you don't feel like doing that you could also just go straight to it downsouthitpodcast.com forward slash newsletter so today's episode is actually going to be on 5g and there's been a lot of misconceptions about 5g ever since it was talked about and even more since it started implementing it and rolling it out but today i just want to talk about what it is why it's better than what we currently have and some of the bad things that are associated with it and you know some of the pitfalls of it so jumping right in 5g the term 5g is basically just a term that talks about the fifth generation of wireless technology for cell phones 4g was the fourth generation now roughly every 10 years or so there's an upgrade to cellular technology that's considered a generational upgrade So if you go back to 2000, 2003, we had 3G. Starting 2010, 2011, then we started having 4G. Now into 2019 and 2020, we're starting into 5G. Now the big carriers that are starting to roll this out, they all have their own version of 5G that they're working with. But no matter what version your carrier happens to use, It all starts with the phone in your hand. There's going to have to be some hardware changes to be able to use it. So most new phones that have come out in the last few years actually have what they call a SOC, or it's called a system on a chip. And it's basically all of the main devices on your cell phone are integrated all on one board. So this is the CPU, the graphics processor, and for a lot of them, the 4G chip and antenna. The new 5G phones, since they're so new, 
they're not made like that yet. They have the CPU and the GPU usually on one board, but the 5G antenna and all of the circuitry that goes into being able to process that signal are all on separate boards. And of course, because this technology is still so new, it's still very expensive. They haven't figured out all the engineering to get everything on one chip yet. So a lot of the engineering that takes place to has to do in finding place for all the pieces and the boards and everything else to find room in these very tiny cell phones. You know, maybe that's why they took the headphone jack away from us. Maybe they needed to do that to get that that last little bit of space in there. Yeah, it's possible. No telling. But that's one of the reasons why 5G-capable phones are so expensive right now is because the hardware is so new and the hardware is separate, they, can't ma- they have to manufacture it separate. Now, as far as the 5G networks themselves, the biggest draw for them is going to be threefold. First, we're going to get faster speeds. You know, usually a generational upgrade in any kind of technology, usually it gets faster. So that's what's going to happen with this one. They're looking upwards of, you know, two to three gigabytes, maybe up to 10, depending on what type of technology it is. And really, as far as phones go, I don't know how fast the data connection really should be. Because most websites and streaming sites are already optimizing content for 4G, and 4G gives us anywhere from 40 megabits per second speeds or, you know, up to a gig in some instances. To be honest, that's a lot faster than some of us have for DSL or even some cable connections, you know, for our Wi-Fi at home. But the things that are really going to be benefit mostly from that increase in speed is going to be like self-driving cars and stuff like that. Some of the big stuff that needs to send a lot of data and receive a lot of data at one time to be able to function. That's going to be one of the big draws for 5G. Now, the next big selling point is actually going to be the lower latency. And latency is what is basically the lag time of the Internet. So all devices have it right now. The average, you know, right now is about 100 milliseconds, give or take. And with 5G, that actually drops to about one millisecond. So communication on 5G will almost be instantaneous. Now, just to reiterate, it doesn't mean that the web page you click on when you're on your phone will load instantly. But the background communication between your device asking for that page and it starting to download will be a whole lot faster. Now, that latency does come back to play again with self-driving cars and things of that nature because that'll make them more efficient because they the send and request for data that they use is invaluable because a lot of times these kind of things have mishaps because the latency of the network delays them in getting the information they need in a timely manner. Now, the third big advantage is going to be the amount of devices that we can have on the network. Because 5G is opening up bands of the radio frequency spectrum, those can be used for more devices so there aren't any bottlenecks. Now, with the amount of devices that we currently have on the cellular network, either cellular or wired, there are only so many IP addresses that can go around worldwide. 
So is that going to be a problem? But it actually, it won't. They actually saw this problem coming a long, long time ago. But basically, the traditional name and scheme that we use now is called IP version 4. And using this method, this is about 94% of all internet traffic right now. And using it, you can have about 4 billion unique devices at one time. And if you know it, because it's the like 10.0.1.1, you know, type IP address that everybody's usually familiar with. Now, we are getting fairly close to that 4 billion number now. But back in 1994, the next generation of IP naming schemes was started up and it started to roll out slowly. It's still somewhat rolling out now and it's called IPv6 or IPNG for IP Next Gen. And this naming convention uses numbers, letters, and it's 128 bits long. The older scheme was only 32. So using the 32 bits, you could get 4 billion devices. With the 128-bit address, you can get 340 undecillion unique IP addresses. So basically, that's going to be, a decillion is going to be one with 36 zeros behind it. That is a lot of devices. So 5G is actually going to be faster. It's going to have lower latency, and we're going to have more devices connected to it. But what about 5G itself? When you talk wireless networking, there are really two things to remember. Frequency and the bandwidth. In this case, the bandwidth is actually literally the width of the band. And the frequency is going to be how high up the spectrum it goes up or down. Now, 5G has three frequencies that the carriers are using right now. First is going to be low band. This is going to be the below the one gigahertz frequency. So it's lower than most Wi-Fi. It's going to be lower than a lot of cordless phones, that type of thing. So these frequencies can travel very far from the cell towers, but the speed on them is going to be slow. So these frequencies are going to be used mostly right now. They're being used for 4G. So even technically, once they get it upgraded to 5G, it could be technically called 5G, but the signal is going to act like 4G does now. And being that it's so low on the spectrum and a lot of devices already using it, they won't be able to put a whole lot more devices on it at one time. Now, the next band is the mid-range band, and sometimes you might hear it in the news called a sub-6, because most of the frequencies on this one are going to be below 6 gigahertz. So it's going to be below between 1 gigahertz and 6 gigahertz. But most of some of the, the newer ones are going to actually be up to 10. So think from 1 to 10. Now, this is where most of our cell phone traffic is right now. Uh, most of the 4G towers work in this range, but the 5G would have a little bit room kind of at the high end to kind of branch out on their own because 4G doesn't work that well on those frequencies. Using this mid-band, the travel that you get from the towers is actually fairly good. So you actually get connection up to about a half a mile, maybe a little more, you know, depending on what's in the way. So you get a good distance away from the towers. 
Now, one other good thing, too, is that just recently, like I think it was toward the end of 2019, that the FCC decided they were going to open up the 6 gigahertz band just for 5G. They didn't have it open before, and now they're actually going to open up that band just for 5G. So 5G will have a nice little spot to nestle in right there within that mid-range mid-range band. Now, the last one is probably the one that most people have heard of and had probably the most issues with. That's the high band or the millimeter wave. And this is going to be 20 gigahertz to 100 gigahertz. So it's way up there. Now, when you're talking radio frequencies and stuff like that, the higher you go up in frequency, the, the closer you have to be to a tower to be able to connect and do anything. So when you get that high, you know, when you get that high up in the spectrum, you're talking maybe 400 to 800 feet tops that you have to be away from a tower before you can actually have a connection. So that's really, really close. So you basically would have to have a cell tower or some kind of 5G node or something like that basically every 500 feet to be able to have a continuous signal. And of course, that doesn't take into account trees and buildings and things like that, you know, if you're within line of sight. I actually seen a video not long ago of someone testing out a 5G phone in Manhattan. And as long as they had line of sight to a tower, they were fine. You know, they got 5G on the phone, everything was working, no problems. But if something came between the tower and the phone, like it could be just a couple of tree branches or even a, a pane of glass on a glass door was enough to stop the 5G signal and the phone would drop back down to 4G. Millimeter wave is very high band, but being that it's so high band, the signal can be really, really fast. So you're talking like probably 50 to 100 gigabytes per second as far as transfer speeds. So, I mean, it's crazy, crazy fast, but it's just super, super short. You can't get that far away from a tower before you drop signal. Now, big cities really won't have a problem with this kind of this kind of network, you know, having things that close together because you can put a 5G node on an alcove or on top of a building, you know, every 500 feet or every, you know, a couple of them per block or whatever it happens to be. You can do that in a big city and it won't be that big of a deal because not many people are going to see it and they're not going to notice it. They'll notice if their phone drops off of 5G, but they won't notice the tower that they're actually connected to. But where this technology is actually getting a lot of pushback from is cities out in the suburbs. Because there, in fact, there are even reps from T-Mobile that have said publicly they don't expect millimeter wave 5G outside of dense cities because of the pushback of having so many towers and nodes all over the place. You know, the people in the suburbs really don't want it. And I'm, to be honest, I'm kind of in that camp myself. You know, I live out in the sticks. And to be honest, I think there are a total of maybe four cell towers around the outside of the city limits where I'm at. And that covers us, you know, and the surrounding area pretty well. But I don't think I would want a 5G node on every other light pole. You know, granted, they're not big. They don't take up a lot of power. They're not, they don't, they're not uh, that much of an eyesore. They can make them look like 
different things. You know, they make it look like it's part of the light pole. But I think just knowing that they were there would be more of an annoyance to me personally. So what are the carriers going to do? Well, all of the carriers are actually going to be using a mix of all three bands to try and roll out their 5G to as many people as they can. They're going to use the low band for rural areas. They're going to use mid band for suburban and smaller cities. And then in the big cities, they're going to stick to millimeter wave. And so it's going to be really a three-fronted approach for the, all of the carriers. And that's usually why the big cities are getting it first. Because for one, there's a lot of people there. And two, in a lot of the bigger cities, carriers put smaller cell towers around the city in different places to bolster the 4G signals that they had to get around buildings and different things like that. And really all they have to do to get 5G in those areas is just put up a couple of antennas and then patch them into their network. And then boom, they have 5G. So doing it that way is a lot more cost effective per customer than it is, you know, another way around. So once the big cities get all of their 5G, then they're going to look to start rolling out 5G to the, you know, the ones that are going to be using the smaller, smaller cities and the semi-rural areas, the suburbs, stuff like that. They'll start retrofitting all of the 4G towers to cover 5G. And then they'll start with the rural areas after that. It's, it's going to take a long time. It really will. I mean, it took a long time for them to get 4G and LTE rolled out. So it's going to be a slow process, but it's going to eventually happen. Now, more than likely, by the time they get most of the 5G rolled out, then the next generation will have started to come out and they'll have to start on that. So it's a big rolling process. And there are a lot of good things that will come around because of the 5G tech and at the moment, we really don't know what they're going to be. A lot of new devices and apps and stuff that can take full advantage of everything that 5G has to offer are probably still being programmed right now or even built. Some, something might actually be just a twinkle in somebody's eye right now. We don't know. You know, it's, we don't know how exactly us as consumers are going to be using 5G. So we don't know exactly how we want to take it and be able to harness it. So the next big 5G idea is probably just around the corner, but that's what makes things exciting. You know, there's so many possibilities and it's only when somebody has the idea to make that a possibility into a reality that we get to experience something amazing. Now, 5G is here to stay. Whether we like it or not, it may not get to you tomorrow, but at some point it will. So for right now, I wouldn't spend a ton of money on the newest 5G enabled phone just because it says that it has 5G doesn't mean that you even have 5G in your area yet. So it's kind of pointless to spend all that money on something that you can't really use. And we all lasted on 4G this long. You know, we can make it a little bit longer. Now, the best part that as 5G comes on online into more areas, there's going to be a higher demand for 5G capable devices. And if the past is any indication, the cost of those components and those phones are going to come down dramatically in the next couple of years. That should make the jump from 4G to 5G a lot more manageable for everybody. 
Now, one thing I did think of while I was doing research for this podcast, and I couldn't really find an answer for it, and that is, once 5G is rolled out to most of the country, will the carriers turn off 3G coverage? Because right now, 3G is a fallback to 4G. You can't get 4G in an area, it falls to 3. Now, 4G is supposed to be the fallback to 5G. So, once they get 5 you know, will will that be there? Or, you know, I'm not sure what the cost is for the carriers to keep 3G up and going, but I'm sure if it was extensive and expensive, I am think they would probably shutter it. But I don't know if they can say with confidence that, you know, once the areas that finally have 4G coverage, you know, are they going to get 5G later on to have that as the fallback? So... I know that's just strange little side note, but these kind of little things intrigue me and I thought about it. So I just wanted to kind of pass that along and kind of get that in your brain too. Because this kind of thing just intrigued me. And as much as it intrigues me, I hope it does you as well. So thank you all for listening today. Uh, I just want to tell you, please head over to the website. Check out the show prep for this episode if you want to read up on some good 5G articles you know, along with all of the other info that I have up there, the new Defender newsletter. You can check out the YouTube channel as well. i got several videos up there to watch. The Facebook page, at IT. You know, I'm always on there posting stuff. In fact, we just got up to 200 page likes on Facebook. So thank you all for that. Uh, didn't even bug anybody on my friends list to do it, which was a promise I made myself when I started this pod. And especially when I started that page. You know, I don't send invites, you know, or anything like that. I wanted the growth to be through sharing and word of mouth, you know, so it's all organic. I hope that, you know, I helped you understand 5G a little bit better today. And if you have any questions, please send me an email, downsouthit at gmail.com. Or if you want to, while you're on the website, go to the very bottom of the homepage. And there's a little form there that you can fill out and send to me also. So whichever one is easier for you. So also, if you have any suggestions of things that you want me to talk about on the pod, same deal. You can send me a link on there or, you know, send me a a note on the, the website or shoot me an email. Either way, you can catch all of the previous episodes of the podcast as even the, the My Two Cents clips on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pocketcast, and Podbean. So literally, I'm pretty much everywhere that you can get podcasts. So whatever app you happen to use, I'm probably on it. Now, as I like to end every podcast, a paraphrase from Albert Hubbard, technology can replace the work of many people but it can never replace the work of one extraordinary person. So go out and be extraordinary today. Thank you all for listening today. I hope you had a great rest of the week. You are all amazing. I love you. I'll see you right here next time on the Down South IT Podcast. Later.